Hello. Good evening, everyone. Are you doing well? Let me look at you. You were worshipping so well this evening. I don't know if you noticed what was happening in the atmosphere as you were worshipping. God was starting to break out and just begin to touch different people. And I think it was Sunday I was sharing with the team here that you can sometimes be right in the midst of the move of God and actually miss out because you haven't set your mind on Him. And so I know many of you already have because I could see the way you were worshipping and the presence of God was here. But together, as one church family, I know you're four church families, but one church family, would you just begin to lift your hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right now? And I want you to just let Jesus know that you're open for kingdom business, that He can have His way in your heart and your life. I want you to surrender afresh to Him right now from front to back. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I just want to surrender my everything to You. I want You to have Your way in my life. Let Your kingdom come tonight. Let Your will be done tonight. Holy Spirit, I'm willing to trust You. I'm willing to lean on You and not on my own understanding. Father, I need You to come. I need You to move. I need You to breathe on me afresh. Lord, Lord, if You're doing miracles tonight, do a miracle in my life. Don't bypass me. Lord God, I know how much You love me. I learned that last night, that You loved me even before I was born. You loved me, Lord God. God, even though you know my past, you love me with a love that is, Lord God, unstoppable. And so, Lord, I'm not going to put up those excuses. Today, I'm running straight to you. I'm coming straight to your throne. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, from front to back, from side to side, come and have your way. Begin to touch, begin to move. Let the presence of God, let the glory of God, let the wind of God just begin to move. Let the oil of God, be poured out, even those in the in the back seats, Lord, at the very back. Lord, begin to touch hearts, begin to open eyes, begin to unblock ears, begin to soften hearts, begin to heal bodies. Lord God, begin to deliver minds right now in the mighty name of Jesus, as only you can. In Jesus' name. And in this moment, I want to honour your pastors and your leaders who've come together to put this wonderful conference week together. As we were worshipping, I saw God pouring fresh oil on your pastors. I saw oil coming upon the head and then dripping all the way down. And the head speaks about leadership. And before God blesses the body, He starts with the head. Amen. That's why we've got to pray for our pastors. And so church, would you right now stretch your hands out to your pastors. Father, I thank You for these amazing men and women who lead our church, who are constantly refreshing others. But Lord, I pray this week would be a week of refreshment for them right now in the name of Jesus. Pour out fresh oil. Lord, I ask for a fresh anointing. I thank You that the anointing breaks every yoke right now. I thank You, Father God, that all weariness goes. Fresh strength comes. Fresh anointing comes. Lord, begins to move, begins to touch, begins to break. I thank You, Lord God, for fresh revelation. I thank You, Lord God, for fresh strength. I thank You, Lord God, for fresh victory in their 
their own personal lives. I thank you for peace that passes all understanding right now. And Lord, I pray for a fresh intimacy in the things of God, that they would know you afresh. We bless these amazing men and women and they will be blessed. And everybody said, Amen. Would you give Jesus a big clap of praise? Oh, we're in for a good night. You can quickly turn around, say hello to two people. Tell them, man, you look so much better after you worship Jesus. You look so much better after you worship Jesus. I don't know, something about you. You just went from a 10 to a 12 out of 10. <laughs> oh, it has been a real honour for Mitch and I to be here. And uh, it's great to see so many people out here. Who was here last night? I pray that changes the way you pray. I pray that revelation changes the way you worship tonight, that Jesus, is, His love is running after you and we don't have to strive and stretch. And You know, some people are like constipated Christians. Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus is like, just chill. You're not chasing after me. I'm chasing after you. Do you know what I mean? And then you just have this revelation. Hold on. If I'm chasing after him and he's chasing after me, if I just stop running and turn to him, then I can have all of him because he longs to fill us with his presence. Amen. And so that's how worship changes when you realize He actually is for you. He loves you. He longs to be with you. Everything changes when you get that revelation. Well, today I want to share on uh, something different, uh, similar but different. You know, many years ago um, when my boys were little, my eldest was about four or five. My second one was three and uh, our our newborn, our third child was a newborn. uh, We decided that we were going to set some healthy family traditions, right, from the very start. And I grew up in a family that never had a meal together. So we never, ever in my whole life ever had a meal together, just our family. We would do it when other families came or special, you know, special things, but never just our family alone. So Sharon and I, we decided that we were going to, from a young age, uh, start this daily tradition of getting the kids together and having a meal together. Now, if you've got three children under five, you know what I'm talking about. This is hell on earth. Right. Not only are you trying to get your own meal, but then you've got to get each different child according to what they can eat at that age. And then we're trying to bring it all at the same time to the table, trying to feed ourselves and feed the children at the same time without forming you know, World War Three or, or food everywhere. So anyway, we decided, you know what, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to try. We're going to start. And so we started this five o'clock every night. We'd all come together and we'd have dinner on the table. And I feed one, Sharon feeds one, and uh, you know whoever has the spare hand feeds the other, right? Uh, and so we did that. I remember sitting down around the table. We're so excited. We actually did it. Everything came together. We sat down. We gave thanks for the food. We started eating. And as we started to eat, this is the old days. All the young people in the room, you may not understand this, but we used to have our telephone stuck to a wall. 
in the old days. It had a cord. It came out of the wall. It was stuck to the wall. You're going, how does that even work? I don't know. It was magic. Uh, we never had phones in our pockets. It was in the on the wall and it was very loud so that the whole house could hear when the phone goes off so that everyone could go to one spot and use the only phone in the house. And so we were all sitting down having dinner and the phone began to ring. And I'm like, no, devil. <laughs> it wasn't the devil. I just saying, nope, I'm not breaking this tradition. We're going to set a good godly tradition. We're going to ignore the phone. Everybody ignore the phone. And my four-year-old's like, the phone, the phone. No, we're ignoring the phone. Why? Because we are having family time. We are going to love family time. You hear me? We're going to just have family time. And the phone just kept on ringing and ringing and ringing. And then it stopped. See? See? Let's keep eating. Started eating again. And the phone rang again. And this time Sharon's like, honey, why don't you just answer the phone? No, we're all sitting down. We're not going to leave this table. We are all having a really good time having dinner together. And the phone just kept on and kept on. Finally, I gave in to the pressure of my three children and my wife. I went and I picked up the phone and I said, hello. And on the other side, I heard, hello, uh, Mr. Jalaya. This is uh, Ali calling from your telephone service. I just wanted to know if you were very happy with the service that you have been, that you have been getting from our organization. And I, I wish I could tell you the fruits of the Spirit was all over me. I wish, but it was more like a fruit salad smash. Uh, steam started coming out of my ear and I said, excuse me, Ali, do you know what time it is in Australia? It's called dinner time and I have been trying to get my three kids, my wife and I to have dinner together and you, you have the nerve to call me at dinner time, not once but twice. The fact that you think that I would even want to talk about telephone services at dinner time, it's so rude and I made sure that I put my landline on do not call which was this list on the internet so people wouldn't call up and talk talk about, you know, telemarketers would, would call. And I put my telephone number on that list. And if you ever call me again, I am going to sue your company. Don't ever call me again. Very ungodly. Very unpatient. And he goes, I'm so sorry, Pastor Joel. And in that moment, I went from raging to, uh-oh. <laughs> and he goes, it's just that, Pastor, I saw that you were a pastor. And I want to become a Christian. And I am a Hindu in India. And I quickly wanted to call you because I need to find out more about Jesus. I want to give my life. I, no, I, I want to become a Christian. Can you help me? I'm going from angry yelling to, well, Ali, <laughs> Jesus loves you. <laughs> and he loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross for you. And if you would surrender your life to him, he will come into your heart and transform your entire life. He goes, I want to do that. And my wife is watching. <laughs> my children are watching. Angry dad. 
go to Salvation Corps, Dad. Let's pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Ali, may God bless you. The end. Hang up the phone. Can you imagine how I felt after the phone call? I felt like the worst Christian in the world. And rightly so. You're going, you are, brother. You are. <laughs> rightly so. I felt like Paul who said, I am the worst sinner of the sinner of all sinners. I felt so bad. I couldn't believe it. I was so ungodly. I was so impatient. I was so angry. And God was touching this man's heart from the other side of the world. He finds me to give his heart to Jesus and I am raging like a lunatic. I mean, maybe, you know, he, if it was me, I would have said, listen, if that's what Christianity is, bam, you know what I mean? But 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 he, he gave his heart to the Lord and I hang up the phone feeling like the worst of the worst. And Sharon's like, what just happened? I said, babe, I do not want to talk. I do not want to talk about this. I, I am going to need to go and repent. But have you ever blown it so bad? Have you ever blown it so bad that you feel like the worst of the worst Christian? Am I the only one that feels like that from time to time? I mean, I, I know this is a funny story, but I have a lot more tragic stories where I have blown things so badly with God that I am too ashamed to even share with you. And it was in one of those moments when I just made such a bad blunder and mistake that I got this revelation from God. And I really feel like it's going to set some people free tonight. My sermon tonight is what to do when you've blown it big time? What to do when you have blown it? What do you do when you have blown it? And I'm basing it from the book of Joel because uh, recently we did a study on the book of Joel, which is what I was named after the prophet Joel. Uh, it's a brilliant book. If you've never read it, it's a quick read and I encourage you to do so. But when you read the book of Joel, you understand that there's a lot of stuff that's going on in Israel at that time. And uh, it's actually talking about, it starts about the how the whole nation is absolutely messed up. There's a plague, there's famine, there's drought, there's natural disasters, people are struggling, uh, there's a loss of crops. It's an absolute mess. But if you look deeper, uh, after you look at the surface, Joel tells you to look deeper and you realize that that's just the fruit. The root, the cause of that issue in Israel back then was because the people of God had hardened their hearts to the Spirit of God. They once walked with the Lord and yet they turned away from Him and they started doing their own thing. And when they started to live their own way, not according to the Word of God. The hand of God's protection, the hand of God's blessing that was upon that nation, which was supposed to bless them and set them apart. They walked away from that covering and they walked out into their own rebellion and they started to reap what they had sown. And so the um, prophet Joel says, even though you see all these symptoms of plagues and, 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 and a mess taking up uh, happening in Israel, the real cause is that the people of God had walked away from him. They had blown it. There was a big gap in the relationship. They chose to do their own thing. That's how the book of Joel starts off. But here's what I love in that very short book. Joel not only tells you the symptoms, he tells you the cause, but then he also quickly in a couple of chapters tells you uh, what 
people have to do. He's a prophet and he comes to the people in Joel chapter 2 verse 12 and 13. And he goes, this is how you fix the problem. If you have blown it, if you are far away from God, if you have distance in the relationship, here's how you solve that. It says this in Joel 2.12, even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. You see, the prophet Joel says, I know you feel far from God. I know all hell is breaking loose in your life. And I know you feel like you've disappointed God and is so far away. The solution is not as dramatic as you think. The solution is you walked away, just return. Just come back. You once were in blessing. You once walked where the Spirit of the Lord was walking and flowing through you. You once walked in the goodness of God and you've walked out of it and now there's a little bit of distance don't stay there. Here's the solution. Return. That's how you change the whole nation. That's how you see healing and deliverances and the presence of God come back into your life, the blessing of God, the, the protection of God. You want that? Oh, it's simple. You went this way. Stop. Turn. Return to Him. And you'll get it all back. You see, I didn't understand it was as simple as that. When I used to blow it, especially as a teenager, when I blow it and feel so bad about some of the stuff I do, I would ask God to forgive me, but I would give him a cooling off period of three days. Because in my house, even though I would ask my parents for forgiveness, they would, but there'd be a cooling off period. You know, we were not talk to each other as much. And so I thought, well, that's the same thing with God, you know, so that when I blew it, I know you forgive me, I know you love me, but I just won't ask you for anything or talk to you for three days, just, just while you cool off. And we make all these dramatic things. But if you're far from God... Wherever you are in this room, as long as you can hear my voice, listen, if you feel far from God, if you feel dry or weary or distant from God, if you have messed up, I'm going to tell you something. It's very simple. Return. Or the Bible calls it repent. Stop going the wrong way. Turn around and turn back to Him. It says, but you don't do it with your words. You don't just do it in front of people because that's what the Israelites used to do. They would rip their clothes and they would cry. When I was uh, 13 years old, I started my basketball career. I know you're looking at me and going, he had a basketball career? Yes. I played three games in high school. I was very good. I ended up buying those tracksuit pants. You see, you've got to understand, I'm a late 80s, early 90s kid. I had those basketball tracksuit pants that had the buttons on the side. Oh, if you know what I'm talking about, it was the height of cool. It was the height of cool. I only wore it about three times. And then when I was married for about 15 years, my wife cleaned up my wardrobe and gave it to good Sammies. But that's something that I'm working through. But in, in these basketball tracksuit pants, right, you basically could literally go and rip them. And you were ready to play basketball if you were wearing shorts underneath. If you weren't wearing shorts underneath, there's a whole, a whole issue there, right? 
And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they used to have clothes where they would pre-rip them and they would sew it together really loosely. And so whenever they looked bad or they did something wrong, what they would do is they would rip the clothes and they would make a big drama of it. And the prophet Joel says, listen, I'm not interested on the outside. Don't rip your clothes and don't make a big ceremony about it. If you have blown it, just return. Just return every day. Just return every morning. Just come back every night. Just come back. If you feel a little bit of distance in the relationship, don't go. I remember the time they were so close to him. If only I could get back to him. Stop it. Just return. Just repent. Just turn around. Just come home is what the prophet Joel says. It doesn't have to be so dramatic. It doesn't have to be so hard. You just have to choose today that I am going to come home. I'm just going to come back to the presence of God. He says this. He keeps on going. He says, the Lord is gracious and he's compassionate. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity. You see, the prophet Joel's trying to teach them what I taught you yesterday about the nature of God. He's not Old Testament mean, New Testament really kind. Did anyone else think that? That the, in the, Jesus, uh, the, the Lord was Old Testament fire and brimstone, I hate you. And New Testament, he's had an encounter with Jesus and God has given his life to Jesus. And he's now kind and merciful. No, no, your theology is all wrong. The prophet Joel says he is abounding in love. He's slow to anger and he's calling his people to intimate relationship. He's calling you back. There's a Spanish story of a father and son who had, a, uh, who had become estranged after a big argument and the son ran away from home and the father set off to find him and he searched for months to no avail and finally in a last desperate effort to find him, the father puts an advert in the local Madrid newspapers and this is what the ad read, it said, Dear Paco, Meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. That Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up <laughs> looking for forgiveness and love from their father. Here's the moral of the story. If you're having a kid soon, don't name him Paco. There's too many Pacos in the world. And number two... All is forgiven, but you've got to determine to come back. You've got to take responsibility for the gap in your relationship with God. You've got to take responsibility. If your heart's going cold and you are going distant from God, don't blame it on everybody else. Don't blame it on your church. Don't blame it on the busyness of your work. Don't blame it on your wife. Don't blame it on your husband. Don't blame it on your spouse. But you've got to take responsibility. If you have wandered away from Him, the prophet Joel would say, stop and just return today. I know you, you know this because that's why you're here. I believe that people here have come to come closer to God. 
I believe that there are people here that are hungry for God to bring fresh intimacy. Come on, if that's you, raise your hand. Revelation, if you need deliverance, raise your hand. You want God to do something powerful. There's an expectation here that today I'm going to walk toward the Lord. I'm going to come close to Him. And whatever the gap is, whatever the obstacle is, whatever the veil is, it's going to calm down. What I love about the book of Joel is he doesn't stop there. After he talks about returning and repenting and coming back to God, he outlines three promises that happen in a person's life when they repent. Are you ready? Here's the first one. He says, uh, when you repent, he promises to drive back the enemy from your life. It's found in Joel chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. When the people of Israel come back to the Lord, the Lord takes it upon Himself to start driving out those things that are tormenting you, those things that have come to steal, kill and destroy. When you come close to the Lord, He takes it upon Himself to deliver you from all evil. I remember when I was growing up, uh, I used to be really scared of dogs. I still am really scared of dogs. Uh, because when you guys hear the word dog, you, you see this picture. You go, oh, look at him, oh, cute, cute, cute. Yeah, that's what you guys think. When I hear the word dog, I see this picture. Right? And I'm petrified of dogs. I've had some, some, some not so nice stories to tell you when I was growing up. And it's changed the way I look at dogs. And so I used to always be scared of dogs. And we used to have these neighborhood dogs that used to roam the street in Malaysia. So I was too scared to go out the front gate of my house. But my mom told me this, this, this little trick. She goes, every time you see a stray dog or a dog's coming for you or is barking at you and you get scared, don't run from me. Run to me. Come to me. Come close to an adult. If you see a dog there, don't run from me, but actually come close to me and let me deal with that dog for you. And that's really what the prophet Joel was saying. Hey, listen, when you repent and when you come to the Lord, He will take it upon Himself. He promises to drive back those things that are stealing from you. There are people here that are not sleeping well. I, was, I felt this when we were in worship. There are people that have their sleep being robbed from them. There are other people that are being oppressed by tormenting thoughts. And the Spirit of the Lord wants to set you free tonight. Where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty and there is freedom. And tonight, I believe at the end of this service, when we close and we worship, I'm going to call everyone that's struggling with nightmares and torment and anxiety. And I want you to be brave enough and humble enough to get yourself ready. Come down the front and get prayed for. And I believe that chains, come on, if you agree, say amen. I believe that chains are going to be broken tonight in the name of Jesus. I believe there's deliverance coming to people tonight. See, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, to give you life and life more abundantly. So one of the fruits of repentance, one of the results of repentance is that He Himself, when you draw near to the Lord, He Himself will actually drive back the enemy from your life. Psalm 91 
verse 1 to 7 says this, whoever dwells, whoever's close to, whoever comes close to the shelter of the Most High will rest, will sleep and rest and be refreshed in the shadow of Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God. Come on, if you agree, say Amen. In whom I trust, surely He will save me. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And I tell you what, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. But it, come on, I want you to say it after me. It will come. And not come near you. Why? Because you're resting under the shadow. There's no distance between you and him anymore. Because you decided to stop running from and start running to. Here's the second thing he promised. When you repent, he promised to restore everything that was stolen. Joel 2.25 I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I think about this and I'm overwhelmed. Because the only reason the locusts got to eat was because the Israelites hardened their heart and left the protection of God. But the moment they decide to come back, even though it was their fault that they left the protection of God, the moment you decide to come back, He instantly says, okay, everything that was lost gets put back. I'm pouring it all back. I'm healing that. And there are people here, but you think, I've blown it too bad. My marriage, my relationships, my friendships, I've blown it too bad. God says, I am able to restore all things. He takes it upon himself to be the restorer of everything that is broken. I, as a state president, had to deal with a really uh, painful situation in my state where one of our state executive members uh, started an extramarital relationship with one of his staff. And it was literally for two years, hell on earth having to step him down and having to help the church and having to help restore the the marriage of the pastor and the other person and their marriage. And it was such a painful experience. It was so broken. When something like this happened, there's just pain everywhere. His children don't want to talk to him. His church are disappointed. Young Christians left the church. I can't believe pastors behave that way. You know, he's lost his credentials. He's lost his ministry. He's lost his employment. He he lost everything. It was just a mess. Can God restore something so broken? Can God put it together again? Five years on. His marriage is doing better than they've ever been. And his wife will say, I feel like as painful as that season is, 
we're now in a better place than ever before. His ministry is thriving. His children are back in relationship with him. He's got a, a church family now that he, he now ministers to other people, other men who have struggled with the same issue and help together. His husband and wife are helping other families to rebuild. If you were to go back five years, you'd say that could never happen. But I'm here to tell you, there's nothing too broken that God can't fix. <laughs> Come on, if you agree, say amen. Come on, God is able to heal. God is able to restore. As the musicians come up to help me, here's the third thing he promises to do. When you repent and when you come toward him, he promises to pour out his spirit, his presence. Joel chapter 2, 28 to 29, most of you will probably know this scripture. It's quoted in Acts chapter 2. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days. God says, I'm going to respond. When you choose to draw near to me, I will drive back that thing that torments you. I will restore everything that was broken. I will so fill you with my presence and my power. You will know me intimately. What I love about this is not just talking about the pastors. He doesn't say, I will just pour out my spirit on all the fathers and the pastors. Because that was what was really honoured and valued in that time. The men, the older men especially, they were the ones that everyone looked at. And they were the ones that had a voice. And they're the only ones that counted. But I love this. The prophet Joel's looking through time and going, it's not this time, not here. God's system is not our system. God just doesn't value the men. He values the women. And I'm going to pour out the same Spirit on every woman. I'm going to pour out the Spirit of God on not just the elders, not just the wise ones. But I'm going to pour out the Spirit on the next generation. Your young boys, your young girls, your teenage young men, your teenage young women, you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to know the presence of God. You're going to know the anointing of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is going to live in you. He's 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 going to pour out His Spirit. On whom? On whom? Who is He looking to pour His Spirit out? On anyone that decides, I'm not going to allow gap in the relationship. I'm not going to have space in the relationship. I got myself here. He's always stayed there. I'm now choosing to stop, to turn, to return. Not with my words, not with my songs, but with my heart. I'm going to render my heart and say, I'm coming home, Dad. I'm coming home to you. I'm going to deal with everything that stands in the in, in the way so that I can be intimate with you. And when you do, He drives back the enemy. When you do, He restores everything that was stolen. And when you do, He pours out so much of His Spirit that you aren't able to contain it. It begins to bubble up out of you. It's like a river of living water that begins to flow out of you. The power of God, the anointing of God, the presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
will fall on you. Every single one of you. I love this book, Joel. So much. I was named Joel because when my mother was pregnant with me, she was really ill. And so the doctors told her it was either going to be my life or her life. But she chose not to abort me. So they put her in the hospital and she was so unwell that they you know, told her her, her time was probably going to come. And so she called to the Lord. Even though she was a Catholic all her life, she didn't really know Jesus. And it was in a hospital room on a hospital bed that she said, God, there's some distance. I feel there's some distance between us because I don't know you. But if you are real, come into my life. That day, the AOG pastor in Malaysia visited the hospital and he saw this Catholic girl calling out to God and he led it to Christ. Much better than I led that Ali guy on the telephone. Much better. And as she surrendered her life to Christ, the Holy Spirit filled her and she began to speak in other tongues. And she goes, what is this? And he said, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. She turned to, he turned to Joel chapter 2 and said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He goes, what's happening in you is proof that there's no distance between you and God anymore. Her life transformed that day. She was persecuted for her faith. She was beaten by my dad. She was beaten by the family. It was just anti-God. But she stood her ground. She raised her boys up to love the Lord. Over time, my dad gave his heart to Jesus. He's now in our church, passionately serving the Lord. So many of her family are serving the Lord. Her sons are serving the Lord. Her sons' wives are serving the Lord. Her nine grandchildren are serving the Lord. I tell you, her one decision to put an end to the gap between her and God, not only blessed her life, not only drove out the demons in her life, not only restored her life, not only filled her with the Holy Spirit, but it had a generational impact. And because of her decision there, you are being blessed here. Because of her decision back then, our church and our city and our states being blessed. Why? Because when you say yes to God, He has this ability of transforming your life. So don't stay far anymore. Draw near to God today. Make a decision to run to Him. Make a decision to surrender your life fully to the Lord. And as you do, He will pour out His Spirit. I sense the presence of God here. If you can feel the presence of God here, would you just begin to stand right now all over this place? And I want you to lift your hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to repent.
I want you to say, Lord, I'm sorry if there is any gap between you and me. And today I want to run to you. Today I want to come into your presence. Today I want to draw near by the blood of Jesus. Lord, I don't want to just say it. I don't want to just sing it. Lord, I want my heart to be ripped apart for you today. I want you to come into my life in a fresh new way. Pour out your Spirit on me. Lord God, I repent. Lord God, I draw near. I thank you that when I take one step towards you, you take a thousand toward me. Lord, I thank you that you are turned toward me. Your hands are stretched toward me. Come, Lord God, deal with the gap in Jesus' name. Come on, we're going to sing this song together. Why don't you sing with me?